The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... An update from the National Library Service. And there's a busy month in store for the board and staff of the American Council of the Blind. Welcome to ACB Reports for February 2012. Each year, usually during the month of February, the American Council of the Blind holds four important meetings. The first of these meetings is a quarterly board meeting and a meeting of the ACB Board of Publications. Those meetings are immediately followed by the affiliate president's meeting and finally by the legislative seminar. ACB Executive Director Melanie Brunson says the meetings this year will be informative and productive. The board is having a two-day meeting, which is on February 23rd and 24th. And then the president's meeting starts on um, Saturday, the 25th of February, and ends about noon on Sunday, the 26th. Then um, later that afternoon, the legislative seminar starts, and it's the 26th to the 28th. It can be a very busy weekend, but it's an important important weekend. Is there anything you want to say about the board meeting? The reason they're having a two-day meeting is that the first day is going to be devoted to a strategic planning process. ACB hasn't done a strategic plan since 1995, and the board decided that it was probably about time that they revisited that and came up with some plans for the future. And then Friday will be the regular board meeting. And where will these meetings be held? It's the Holiday Inn National Airport, which is in Arlington, Virginia. Our last three or four mid-year meetings, they've all been there. It's a nice little hotel, and it's very near the airport. It's also by the Crystal City Shopping, shopping Mall, yeah. And uh, lots of good restaurants from nearby. And, and it's all within walking distance, as long as the weather cooperates. So after the board meeting, you move right into the mid-year president's meeting. What goes on at that meeting? All kinds of things. It's a time where they have an opportunity to share information with us, and we have an opportunity to share information with them. So there's usually a wide variety of areas that are covered, and I think this year is going to be no exception. They're going to talk about everything from fundraising projects to the latest information about uh, dealing with accessible voting to some topic, at least one or two, on um, areas related to developing your own affiliate, whether it be organized meetings or including members or program ideas. There's going to be a number of panels about fiduciary responsibilities of officers and some of the latest developments regarding the do's and don'ts of serving particularly a secretary and treasurer and those kinds of things, the latest accounting and legal developments that impact small nonprofits more than people realize. And those things are always changing. You say, well, you did this a couple of years ago. Yeah, but that was two years ago. Unfortunately, we all have seen too many news stories about charities that have had scandals. 
and those things are impacting the stringency with which the government decides that we need to be governing ourselves. And on Sunday, the president generally has like a town hall meeting. It's similar to his office hours, but this is face-to-face, and it's basically an opportunity for attendees to talk to the president, and he usually has me join in on behalf of the staff, to talk about any issues that are of concern to them, to ask questions or to share ideas, as well as a lot of updates on things like the status of the database and um, the Board of Publications is going to be giving an update on some of their activities the website and other projects that they're working on that can benefit both the affiliates and the members. And will they be meeting that weekend as well? They will be meeting on um, Friday evening. That meeting is open as well to the public. One other thing that's going to happen at the President's meeting that's really good, during lunch we're going to have a presentation by Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian to talk to us about what structured negotiation actually is, the status of some of the key negotiations that we are involved in now with various entities. And that's going to be a good presentation on Saturday at the president's meetings. And then we have the other part of the meeting. And the first time I went to one of these things, I thought, boy, am I a fish out of water or what? I had never been to Capitol Hill, never sat one-on-one with a congressman or a staff member or a senator, and uh, I still remember Oral Miller summing it up for me in one sentence, you know how to behave and you know how to talk, you'll do fine. (laughs) (laughs) The legislative seminar is an interesting event, regardless of what the initiatives are that we're putting forward on the Hill. There's a lot that goes on before you get to the Hill. That all starts on Sunday afternoon, as soon as we get those presidents out of the way. This year we're starting at 2 to give people a little more time to get lunch if they're attending both meetings. But on Sunday we do a lot of things that are kind of of general interest related to giving people an update on where the issues are now that we worked on last year. We talk about things like how to do this. What do we mean by telling people on the Hill about our agenda? What's involved? What's a good way to do it? What's not so good way to do it? We have a number of presentations around the current status of our particular advocacy issues. And then on Sunday, there's going to be an update from the Federal Communications Commission on implementing the communications bill that ACB helped to get passed a couple of years ago. One of the federal communications staff members is going to give an update on how that implementation is going. We're going to have a couple of presentations that should be particularly of interest to people if they've traveled to the meeting by air. We're going to have the Department of Transportation back. They uh, did a really good presentation last year that was very well received. And the Department of Transportation has issued a couple of rulemakings this past year around accessibility of kiosks at airports, dog relief areas at airports, and airline websites. We're also trying to get somebody from the Transportation Security Administration to speak. So it's going to be an information-packed weekend, and I hope that lots of folks will come and um, participate in it.
You spend a lot of time at these hill visits planting seeds that mm-hmm. will mature later. And a couple of years ago, we found ourselves where everything sort of blossomed at once with the 21st Century Telecommunications Act, the quiet cars legislation, and everything just sort of hit at once. But it was crazy, and it meant that we had to come in next year with a whole new bag of seeds to start watering. And we'll that be doing a lot true, of that, And um, we're going to be continuing that process this year. The good news is, though, that our seeds are beginning to bear some fruit, and so people shouldn't be put off by the fact that the two issues that we are bringing to the Hill this year are issues that we talked with them about last year because there has been some activity on both of those issues on the Hill, and um, the water that we're going to be delivering this year is really going to, we think, bear some good fruit. The members of Congress have been very interested. One of the issues is the need for accessible prescription drug information. There has been a lot of interest generated around that issue during the past year. Eric's still working on determining just what the status of that issue is going to be by the time that the seminar comes because there's work ongoing on the Hill on that issue as I speak. The other issue that we're working on is to get a bill passed that will help give people incentives to donate automobiles to charities such as ACB and many of its affiliates. Those donations have gone down a lot, largely due to some changes in the tax law that made it a very unpopular thing to do in many cases. There is a bill that would remove some of the barriers that those changes in the tax law created. It is H.R. 860, and um, it's gaining in support from both parties in Congress. So we are helping to try to continue that gain and also to get the attention of the leadership. We've already got over half the House co-sponsoring it. Well, it sounds like you've got a very busy weekend in February ahead of you. Between now and that weekend, you have the Sagebrush Conference coming up. Anything you want to say about that? The White House just issued an executive order that basically urged all federal agencies to pay more attention to the Randolph-Shepard priority. And that was a really cool thing. So we are excited about that, and I know that The Randolph Shepard vendors are going to be looking at how to get some mileage out of that order as they make their plans during their annual training conference, which is what Sagebrush is. That will still be in Las Vegas? It is, at the Golden Nugget Hotel, I think. Anything else? Well, I just want to tell people that the ACB website is newly designed, and our big challenge now is to get a lot of the old material from the old site onto the new one. We have a new website administrator who just started on the 16th of January. Her name is Annette Carter, and she's from the San Francisco area in California. We're excited about her joining us, and we are looking forward to her being able to help us get that site up to be all that it is meant to be. And if folks will have patience with us, I think they're going to be very happy with it once we get it populated. But even the new design itself is really cool. So 
people ought to check back on it periodically to see what new information is there. That was Melanie Brunson, Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. That brand new website, as you may have guessed, is acb.org. Send your suggestions or comments regarding ACB reports to the American Council of the Blind, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. An important part of the program at each annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind is a presentation by the staff of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. The presentation during the 50th annual conference and convention in July of 2011 was entitled A New Day at NLS. Following opening remarks by Acting Director Ruth Scovel, Michael Katzman, Chief of the Materials Development Division, talked about digital books and other projects. The library is now three years into our format conversion. Over 400,000 digital talking book players have been manufactured and we've been producing all new audiobooks on USB flash cartridge since 2008. In addition to the physical book cartridges, all digital book files produced for the past eight years are available for direct access online through the website. We are continuing to convert popular and important analog recordings in the collection, even some gramophone records, to digital format. Also available to patrons, of course, are BRF files through WebBraille for books made since 1993. While the internet is an exciting new way for patrons to access books and magazines, we see the vast majority of borrowing continues to be via physical media. At present, only 10 to 15% of patrons are taking advantage of the internet talking book library. However, we expect this to reverse over time. To expand the ways in which patrons read audiobooks, the library intends to contract for the supply of Android and Apple iOS smartphone applications to permit playback of digital talking books on conventional consumer devices. This will be a cost-effective alternative to dedicated assistive technology hardware for ultra-portable playback. Conversion of the magazine program from cassette to cartridge is the last major task of the digital transition yet to be completed. Following an initial pilot program, 
The library plans to supply magazines on USB flash cartridge to augment uh, the magazines that are available through BART. Some changes in operation are required to limit the cost, including the return of media for recycling and the use of a single cartridge for multiple magazines for those patrons to subscribing to more than one. The book itself is changing, and it's changing fast. Just as paperbacks did not replace the hardback, print books are not going to disappear anytime soon. Rather, their content will be available in more formats and be delivered in different ways. This revolution can be a golden opportunity to improve the accessibility of what we've traditionally referred to as print material. Electronic books have been around in one form or another for more than 40 years. So why are they proliferating just now? Well, one can look at the convergence of a number of factors. Electronic reading appliances have improved along with mobile computing technology. Screens for the sighted now consume much less power, have better contrast, and approach or exceed print quality. The incremental cost of a book reader has dropped. If one has already purchased a smartphone or an iPad for accessing the internet, then the additional cost of a book reading application is minimal. Even the most rudimentary dedicated book reader will have other functionality, like that to play music. So a consumer doesn't have to justify the capital cost, the utility or the bulk, solely on their appetite for reading. With wireless connectivity, the ease of access to electronic books has been simplified, and so the barriers to access have dropped, at least for those with the financial means. Of course, libraries for the blind or visually impaired have been involved with electronic books for decades. NLS started work on formulating the digital talking book standard in the 1990s under the umbrella of NISO, the National Standards Organization. We were joined by other libraries looking to bring the reading experience of the sighted to the visually impaired. That work built upon existing concepts for electronic books developed by the Open eBook Forum and standards such as XML. This NISO standard was later adopted by the DAISY Consortium and brought audio, text and metadata together, greatly improving the accessibility of the book. Better accessibility exists for books produced in the Digital Talking Books standard, but sadly that's still only a small percentage of the titles available at large. Books in electronic format are not necessarily accessible. For NLS, accessibility is the goal, but it's not the primary or even one of the major requirements for commercial book producers. As sighted readers demanded to read the same book on various platforms, with varying screen sizes, the publishing industry looked around for solutions. Some have adopted the EPUB standard, which is a successor to the open ebook. The markup of EPUB books allows for the reflow of text to suit the screen and font size rather than shoehorning a fixed page structure into all displays, such as for PDFs. For different reasons, both the accessibility community and some publishers have chosen standards with common characteristics. Seizing on the renewed interest in the EPUB format, those involved with the evolution of DAISY have been helping to form the next version, version 3 of EPUB. It's quite likely that DAISY will abandon its own standard for book distribution and adopt EPUB 3. The great hope being that mainstream books published in EPUB 3 will be born accessible. 
This would mean that on day one, a blind reader could get the same book, the same price, at the same place as everyone else. This is the goal. The reality is likely to be somewhat different. Just because the standard permits a book to be made accessible, it's not axiomatic that they will be made that way or that everyone will use the standard. E-books will increasingly have video and web links, animated diagrams, interactivity, dynamic tables and features unmanageable in a print book. Unless the appropriate descriptive tags are added, visually impaired will face new barriers to reading. This is where advocacy groups, such as the ACB, have a big role. The only way to assure the accessibility to be built into mainstream books is to raise the threshold of pain. It should be harder to make an inaccessible book than to make an accessible one. Rather than convincing hundreds of publishers, it's the relatively few makers of book creation tools who should be persuaded to build software that enforces accessibility. Only if the publishers can easily add descriptive tags and extensive markup will the final product be accessible for everyone. Now, the mainstream books I've been talking about are textbooks, which would be rendered by synthetic speech. While text-to-speech software has improved as processing power and algorithms have developed, Synthetic speech will not approach the human narrator for some time. This is particularly true with the type of books that NLS produces. A human narrator is really an actor who uses a lifetime of experience to know how to say words and phrases, interpreting the text to render speech using the right cadence, emotion, and many other qualities. One day, I can imagine there'll be a Google-like system that would index all the recorded speech available online, for example, using speech recognition to capture not only the words, but also the other characteristics of speech. A database could then be used to create a contextually aware text-to-speech algorithm that would understand how to render speech in a natural way. We're some way away from that uh, goal now. The library will be testing text-to-speech in a limited way to expand the range of materials. This will be done where the type of material is suitable and where significant cost savings can be realised. For the highest quality conversion, this will be performed on servers and not in the player. As I noted earlier, some of our patrons are receiving books directly from the internet. Digital connectivity is becoming a necessary part of modern life. In fact, if the trends continue, only 6% of US households will be served by conventional telephone lines by 2018. Many people are dropping twisted pair landlines in favour of mobile phones and others for video over high-speed internet. This data channel is how talking books will be delivered to more of our patrons in the years to come. It offers more timely delivery while reducing costs, freeing funds for the production of greater quantities of titles. While the long term is full of promise, the short term prospects for library service around the country are uncertain. As Ruth has explained, in the last few years, state governments have reduced services for libraries for the blind. Many sub-regionals have closed and staffing and hours of operation have been reduced. Since its inception in 1931, the Library for the Blind has had solid support from the American people through the Congress. However, NLS faces the prospect of sharply reduced funding in the upcoming budget. 
Following a 5% cut in our base budget this year, the House of Representatives has proposed cutting 30% of NLS funding for the fiscal year starting in September. Such a severe cut would likely lead to a reduction in service and a postponing or elimination of some parts of the program. I'd like to thank ACB and its members for your valuable advice and feedback throughout not only the uh, process of converting our program to digital, but the ongoing advice we get through our advisory committees, of which ACB is an active participant. Thank you. That was Michael Katzman, Chief of the Materials Development Division at the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped in Washington, D.C. Remember, you can hear all of the general sessions from the ACB Annual Conference and Convention in their entirety on the convention page at ACB's website, acb.org. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.